From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Once again, we count it a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today, we'll hear another message in the life and earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, a series preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, True Humility Rewarded. The text is Luke chapter 18, verse 14. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. It ought not to be difficult for us to humble ourselves, for what have we to be proud of? We ought to take the lowest place without being told to do so. If we are sensible and honest, we shall be little in our own eyes. Especially before the Lord in prayer, we shall shrink to nothing. There we cannot speak of merit, for we have none. Our one and only appeal must be to mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Here is a cheering word from the throne. We shall be exalted by the Lord if we humble ourselves. For us, the way upward is downhill. When we are stripped of self we are clothed with humility, and this is the best of wear. The Lord will exalt us in peace and happiness of mind. He will exalt us into knowledge of His Word and fellowship with Himself. He will exalt us in the enjoyment of sure pardon and justification. The Lord puts His honors upon those who can wear them to the honor of the giver. He gives usefulness, acceptance, and influence to those who will not be puffed up by them, but will be abased by a sense of greater responsibility. Neither God nor man will care to lift up a man who lifts up himself, but both God and good men unite to honor modest worth. O Lord, sink me in self, that I may rise in Thee. Upon the wings of 
In the midst of this increasingly secularized and materialistic society, multitudes of men, women, and young people seem to have forgotten that they have immortal souls, and that one day they must stand before a holy God and face the ultimate judgment. Despite every effort to banish the reality of death from the mind, the Word of God declares, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. How can a person be ready for that awful day? Is there a way to face God without fear? The great 19th century preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon answered this question in a powerful sermon entitled, Preparing to Meet God. Let the Bible Speak now offers a booklet published by the Trinitarian Bible Society, which contains this vital message under the title, Preparing to Meet God. In addition to the sermon text, the publication contains a brief biographical sketch of Spurgeon's life, as well as a schedule for reading the Bible through in a year, all contained in an attractive, conveniently-sized booklet. To obtain your copy, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of Preparing to Meet God, and we'll be happy to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a message entitled, Jesus Christ, Man's Only Point of Contact with God. In Matthew chapter 11, the Lord Jesus declared that He alone can reveal God to man. This truth renders all other religions false, creating much hostility to biblical Christianity. Jesus Christ is the great divider of men. The world is seeking for unity but without Christ. Jesus sends his messengers forth with his authority to accomplish his purpose. He is the great shepherd of the sheep, and his sheep are to obey his voice, serving him in the way he has ordained with holiness and fearlessness. 
Now here is Dr. Cairns to bring the next portion of this message, Jesus Christ, man's only point of contact with God. The Lord Jesus warned that the truth of the gospel will be opposed. This couldn't, shouldn't therefore cause us either surprise or fear. There is a notion, you know, that the Lord Jesus, if he's truly believed on and truly served, will bring unity among men. I don't know where that notion ever arose except from the devil. It's been used again and again to batter those of us who are fundamental and separatist. If you really believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you wouldn't divide from anybody. That's what we're told. But the truth is that if you preach the Lord Jesus as God has revealed him, if you take your stand for the Lord Jesus as Scripture sets him forth, first of all, you'll have very little trouble separating because people will separate from you. And they'll hate you. And they'll oppose you. No matter how much good you do, even if they have to admit that good. It's not enough to overcome the inherent hatred of the heart of man against the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus makes it very clear. He didn't come to produce unity. Not in this age. There's an age to come when he will produce unity in the world. The unity that he produces is among those of like precious faith. Now there, there should be unity. And God forgive us where we fail in that unity. But between those who trust in him and love him and serve him and preach him and those who hate him and reject him and curse him and replace him with an idol of their own making, there can be no unity. Jesus makes this clear. The unity of the world will see Christ as an enemy. Now that leads me to just uh, make a, a broad statement. It has vast biblical and especially, to use a big word, eschatological implications that I'm not going to have time to get into. The day in which we live is a day we're told we have a shrinking world. And that's true in many ways, obviously not actually in its dimensions, but in man's ability to get around it and uh, make contact throughout it. It's a shrinking world. The old nationalisms are dying. Now, that may come as good news to you or bad news to you. I'm not here to discuss that. I'm simply telling you they're dying. And if you think we're ever going back to the, the old uh, nationalisms and isolationisms of the past, you can think again. It's not going to happen. The world is in a quest for unity. The United Nations is so-called, why? Because the nations want unity. Society wants unity. No politician can possibly be given high office unless he espouses the whole idea of unity. We can see why. You'd have to say that at some level, a nation has to have some kind of unity, some kind of cohesiveness. 
But what I'm talking about goes beyond some level. Soon by decree and then by force, you're going to have a unity imposed. And that is going to set, as it has already done, it is going to set those who stand for Jesus Christ as the enemy. Because, you see, the gospel divides men. It divides saint from sinner, believer from unbeliever. It makes men into friends of God and enemies of God. It refuses to discuss the great moral and spiritual issues of the day as mere social phenomena. We refuse to debate, for example, euthanasia or abortion in terms of some mere medical issues. We demand that they are looked at in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and in the light of the person of Jesus Christ. And once you do that, you're a destroyer of unity. This is what the Lord Jesus was telling his people. The gospel produces a crisis for all who hear it as well as for all who preach it. The Lord Jesus makes it clear that you either are for him or you're against him. Now, it never has been possible to straddle the fence. It never has been possible to be on the world's side and on Christ's side at the same time. But it is becoming increasingly obvious how impossible that is. Men and women, let me make it clear that when you hear the gospel, when you hear even what I have just stated this morning as the central truth of these passages of Scripture, then you either are for Christ and you receive this truth gladly and totally, or you are against Christ and you oppose that truth. One or the other. Jesus divides men crisis, therefore, for a hearer. Crisis also for those who preach that truth, for those who stand up for Christ in this age of godless unity, a unity without God. I was reading last night a statement by the historian Will Durant. I can't give you it word for word, but I can give you the idea. When he spoke of our age and he said, the great question will not be between communism and individualism. The great question will not be between rich and poor. The great question of our age will be, can man live without God? And that is the question of our age. That's what's, what man is seeking to do. That's what official policy, whether it's in the U.S. Congress or Supreme Court or in the British House of Car- Parliament or in the European Parliament or wherever else, in the great congresses of the world, that's what man is seeking to do, is to live without God. And in order to do that, he's going to enforce a unity that is going to put every believer in Jesus Christ under immense pressure. So what do you do in a case like that? Well, the Lord Jesus tells us what to do. He says, remember, I send you forth 
Let's not overlook that. I'm sending you. A little later, as I have quoted, he says, All things are delivered to me of my Father. At the end of this gospel, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He says, Now I'm sending you forth. The Jews may be against you. Caesar may be against you. All the power of the political establishment may be against you. But I am sending you forth. What a confidence that gives you. Let me tell you, my friend, we should never, never, never overlook the simple but sublime truth. When I know Jesus Christ is my Savior and He sends me forth, I go forth with the authority of the God of heaven. So does every Christian going out into this world. So does every missionary, every preacher, every witness sent by God. You have an authority. It is vested not in you or your learning or your ability, but is vested in the, the name, the character, the attributes, the power. The idea is also, of course, that when I send you forth, I have a purpose. These people may be opposing it and they may think they're overthrowing it, but in actual fact, they're only fulfilling it. That's the wonderful truth, you know. I said this had vast eschatological implications. It does. Men in seeking to overthrow God, men in seeking to overthrow the gospel, are actually fulfilling the very purpose of God. Daniel chapter 2 takes us all the way from the time of the prophet right up to the time of the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though he doesn't go into every detail of every nation under heaven, he gives us in the interpretation of the great image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision, he gives us a history of the major points of this world and its development and its hatred against God and his gospel. What men are doing does not overthrow the purpose of God. And it does not overthrow the purpose of the gospel. So when you're faced with opposition, remember, Jesus said, I sent you. I sent you. And I have my purpose to fulfill, and fulfill it I will. Furthermore, remember your calling. I send you a sheep. Is there a more precious and blessed description of the people of God in all the Bible than that one? You're my sheep. John 10, you're those who have heard my voice. You're those for whom I shed my blood. You're those whom I have brought into the fold and family of God. You're those who have Jehovah for their shepherd to lead them every step of the way. You are my sheep. Never forget that. And when I send you forth, Jesus says, I'm sending you forth as sheep. Now, you're surrounded by wolves. Common sense would tell you that you've either got to enlist a few wolves or stronger than wolves to protect you, or you've got to become a little wolf like yourself. Jesus says, forget about all that. We're not dealing with this after the flesh. I'm sending you forth as sheep. Live as the sheep of my pasture. Never forget what you are 
and live accordingly. This is a call to holy living, living as the sheep. No matter what the pressures to the contrary, no matter what the political climate, no matter what the social climate, no matter what the opposition to God and godliness, no matter what's happening around about us, we are called to be holy. God has not sent you out into the world to be like the world. I think of the words of the psalmist, the 141st Psalm, when he made a vow to God that he would not eat of their dainties. He would not sit down in the filthiness and the wickedness and the idolatry of the ungodly and participate with them just because they presented things that seemed like dainties, like sweets, like things that the flesh liked to taste. No, he says, I'll not eat of those. I have no communion with those who are in communion with hell. I'm one of his sheep. It's a call to holiness. It's a call to personal separation. And therefore, it's a call to fearlessness. The man who is sent by God, who is the sheep of Christ's pasture, purchased by the blood of his atonement, protected by his staff, led by his voice, the one who is living in holy communion with him need not fear. And particularly, he says, uh, don't be afraid when you don't know what to say. I'm sure every one of us has been in this position when you're going to be in a, a place where much is expected of you. You've got to speak. You've got to do all sorts of things. And you want, how can I ever speak? How can I measure up to this? What am I going to say? And you start imagining, if I say this, they say that. Well, if they say that, I reply. And you get a whole thing going. Of course, it never works out that way. Jesus says, forget about all that. There's a better way. Now, that may debunk a notion that has got too widely spread among God's people, and that is that you can just go around, you know, and you can just be sure anytime you open your mouth, God's going to fill it, and you're going to be able to speak wonderful words of wisdom. Don't you believe it? I've heard more nonsense coming from the mouths of so-called Christians. Some of them preachers, mind you. What's he saying here? See, if you live as sheep and you're hearing his voice, if you're living in communion with him, if you are feasting on the word of God day by day, if you're filling your mind with holy scripture and not with the unholy trash of the world and the wickedness and the idolatry of this age, if you're filling your heart and your mind and your soul with the word of God, then when crunch time comes, you'll have the right word. You will have it. Trouble why most of us don't have the word when we need it is because we haven't felt the need of having it earlier on. Get into the word and then fear not. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. 
If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 